When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks for making your way here, especially if you're a, a repeat offender. Of course, if you're not a subscriber to the series and you're into this type of thing, you know, keeping up with your favorite artists, discovering some new ones, know what's happening in the music world, uh, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from, uh, as well as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. Hit subscribe. We'll bring you brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I'm going to be talking with Maya Hawk. Uh, yes, you know Maya Hawk uh, from Stranger Things, the latest season of there. You might have seen her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or a few of the other films that she's been in. She is also a musician in her debut album, Blush. Uh, we're going to talk about how, for her, she says this is an accidental record. has to do with her pairing up with uh, songwriter and producer Jesse Harris, famous for um, uh, albums from folks like uh, Nora Jones and many, many others. Uh, Maya is going to talk about how she got into songwriting uh, as a way to 
communicate. Uh, leaning on her roots, uh, bringing up her parents to listen to a lot of folk and rock and jazz. Uh, that all makes its way into this record. And her poetry. She's been a, she says she's been a poet for longer than she's been an actual songwriter. But we'll talk about her, how her poetry and lyrics have aged and changed since she first started songwriting. And the difference between the two, poetry and lyrics. We'll also hear the similarities between how she approaches songwriting and acting and the importance of a great soundtrack. So let's jump into it, talking about the record Blush. It's Kyle Meredith with Maya Hawk. Hello. Well, let me compliment you first, because Blush is such a great listen. You've you've called it a bit of an accidental record, though, and I, I was kind of wondering if you would tell the story about uh, why that is. It was accidental because I really started, I, I did a lot of music and wrote a lot of songs when I was a, a kid as a kind of a method of, for to communicate with people in my life. Like, I had things I wanted to express. Um, with my parents and teachers and, and I, I didn't really feel like I, I could do it in conversation or get my thoughts out or, or get myself heard and, and I really struggled with reading and writing and so songwriting and, and lyric writing became a really powerful tool at the time for me to get myself heard as a young child by the people who were controlling my life and uh, and I did it a lot until I was about 14 or 15 and then I stopped and I got really serious and, and into acting and devoted the majority of all my summers and my after school activities and my in school activities to that for a long time and uh, and it wasn't until I left drama school and um, started working in the professional sphere as an actor that I started really feeling the need to put making music back in my life. Music was always in my life as a listener that entire time period, but I felt the need to make music again. I think partly because all of a sudden I was in control of my own schedule, sort of, but my ability to do my work, to, to make my art or whatever as a person was entirely in control of the people that I was auditioning for. And I wanted to take a piece of my creativity back for myself and have some agency over a part of my life as a creative person. And so I um, I started picking up the guitar again and I started writing, putting my poems and stuff to song again in the music. And so I had a couple songs uh, after I finished my first job, which was... Um, Little Women, which I filmed in this little town called Dunleary in Ireland. And I sent them to someone who had given me a lot of advice about my songwriting when I was a kid, Jesse Harris, who I ended up collaborating on Blush with. And he listened to them and he gave me some notes. And then when I got back to uh, New York, we worked together on the songs for a second and he taught me some new chords. And that was all really fun and great. And when it was over, I said, if you ever wanted to write a song together, I would love to. And he said, well, why don't you send me a, a, a poem and we'll, we'll go from there. And I said, OK. And so I sent him the poem of what became um, To Love a Boy, which was the first sort of single that we released together. And then we loved To Love a Boy and we recorded it and um, and we were like, OK, well, why don't we keep going? And so then we had three more songs uh, a couple months later and we're like oh let's record those maybe we'll make an EP instead of a single like okay and we went and recorded those and by the time we recorded those we actually had five songs and we're like oh well, why don't we make a five song EP and then we went and recorded those two more and then by the time we did that we had uh, you know like nine songs and then by the time we had nine songs it was just like okay well you know what why don't we make an album and um, we'd already put out um, To Love a Boy and Say Oh and, and those songs that had gotten us involved with um, Mom and Pop, the record label that I'm attached to, and they wanted to put out the record. And so we we're like, okay, let's finish a record. And we listened to what we had and we wrote some new stuff and we worked on everything. And, and we got together a 
sort of 12 song bundle of the bunch of songs that we'd written that we felt really good about. And, um, and that became what is blush in a lot of ways. Speaking of, I mean, Jesse Harris, you know, what, what a, an amazing songwriter and, and producer he is having, having Jesse as a part of this, I'm, I'm sure was a, a real nice boon as it, as it sounds like, I, I, I don't know the entire scope of his work, but when I think of him, you know, I do think of folk and, and jazz and definitely in the music that seems to be sort of the um, the centerpiece, the style at least, you know, uh, those chords, they are traditional full chords. There are those splashes of the jazz chords and everything. Was that something you all talked about or was that something that he sort of naturally gravitated toward? Well, I think it's a combination of the two. I mean, we, the way we wrote almost every song on um, Blush was I would write up a, a poem of some sort and send it to him. And he would send me back that poem accompanied to music. We have all these, these great demos of um, Jesse singing, I want to love a boy and all these other funny things, making me a demo before we went in and made our own demo together. Um, and, you know, that's sort of how it started in the beginning. And it was very cut and dry that way. I did the lyrics. And he sort of wrote these melodies and I sang them. And, and then as we've been working together now, like sometimes, you know, later in the record, there are songs where we wrote one version of it and had to write another version of it. And I, you know, I think the, the last song on the record, I, um, Mirth, I sort of sent him those lyrics and he sent me back something. And I was like, you know, when I wrote the lyrics, I was fiddling around with this like incredibly simple chord progression. What do you think about this? And I sent it to him and he loved it. And so that that's the version that ended up being on the record was the one I did in my living room with like three chords in it or whatever. Um, so our, the way that we wrote together changed a lot. And often, um, you know, I think that the musical background that I grew up in was in that kind of music that Jesse also always sort of known for, which is what made our collaboration very peaceful, is we have pretty similar tastes. I grew up in American folk music and and rock and jazz, and that's sort of the backbone of the music that my father gave me, and that uh, was playing in, in my household when I was, you know, six years old and dancing on our leather couch. <laughs> so, uh, uh, very stained leather couch that we had <laughs> when we were living at the Chelsea Hotel. Um and uh, so anyway, like we we have lots of conversations and kind of push things in different directions. And but uh, and especially once we're actually recording the song, there's a lot of um, kind of ways that the song change and move and in terms of what exact sort of style or tone that song should have and how the music should tell the story of what the lyrics are. But initially, I think the reason that, you know, this this. The backbone of that music is in jazz and folk is because it, that's the backbone that Jesse and I share of kind of our our favorite kind of music to make. And, and, and I should point out, of course, it's not the only styles on there. I mean, Animal Enough. I mean, that's 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 I think I wrote down the phrase rollicking fun, which is I don't think ever a phrase I've said in my life. But um, but, <laughs> but it does kind of showcase something different. And and by the way, that gives me one of my favorite lines on the record. It's such a simple line. But will you say what lies behind your never mind? It's one of those really simple but really powerful lines. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, I, I do think, you know, like lots of it's a, it's a thing that people say all the time where they open their mouth to speak and then they go, oh, never mind. And there's always something behind the never mind, you know? It's, <laughs> right. it's, uh, yeah. Do you find that there are lyrics that you're particularly proud of, something that stands out to you? Gosh, um, there are songs I'm particularly proud of lyrically. Goodbye Rocket Ship is a very special song to me lyrically because I had written the, the kind of center piece of that song, which is um, You Don't Know How to Raise Me Any More Than I Know How to Grow Up, 
when I was 14 years old, um, and it was accompanied by a lot of other lyrics that were not good, um, <laughs> but um, or that I don't like anymore. <laughs> but I took that line from that song I wrote when I was a kid and kind of adapted it into a into a sort of more sophisticated, for me at least, a more deeper understanding of my own feelings version of the same song that I wrote when I was younger. Um, and I guess I have some pride in my ability to kind of have gotten to know myself better over the years and have a deeper insight to the same emotions I was going through when I was 14. And so that song is a song I'm, I'm, I'm proud of lyrically, probably. It's hard for me to remember like exactly what my favorite lines are in the songs, but that's definitely a special song and a special line to me in Goodbye Rocket Ship. Uh, you know, you, you talk about musical inspirations and, and where that all comes from for you. Do you find that, especially as a poet, as a lyricist, that you, that you have uh, obvious uh, inspirations as well uh, when you look back? Like, was there anything that really pointed you to start writing in that way? Because, and, and poem writing is not the exact same thing as lyric writing. It can be translated, but that's not always easy for someone. No, I think it's definitely, it's definitely different. And I write a lot of poetry that would never be good to be a song. And um, there are a lot of songs that would never be good as poems. Um, for me, it comes from a similar place. I guess the difference is you can be a lot simpler for me, not for everybody, but you can be a lot simpler in music lyrics and, and communicate a different level of profundity because you can accompany it with your voice and your emotion and, and the music. And so a very simple phrase like, I'm sorry, or I'm tired, or, you know, whatever the, the phrase is, um, I miss you. It can be quite boring in a straight poem right off the page, but when communicated and accompanied with song and in the context of a larger piece can be very powerful. Um, so I think I strive for a, a bit more simplicity in my lyric writing than I do in my straight poetry. Um, but there are, but my influences come in all directions. Um, there are poets that I steal from all the time that never wrote a song in their life and, um, and, and also great lyricists. And so I, I definitely source and steal from, from everywhere. Is coverage the obvious tie between your two lives, between the music and the acting? It, it, it seems like that's how it comes off to me, at least. Coverage is definitely an obvious tie, which is part of the reason that I um, put it out first, was kind of to just to try to present a kind of integrated self in, in one way or another, or not first, but in the early singles. But they all, I mean, all they all the songs come from a place of integration in me the way i approach acting and storytelling in that sort of version of being creative and the way i approach songwriting is is really quite similar at least at this point maybe i'll grow up and get more sophisticated and figure out how to make things different but right now it all comes from a very similar source in me but yes coverage is definitely a song about that and I'd wonder also, is it coincidence, like when I look at a couple of your uh, projects, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Stranger Things, these both, to me, are very musically driven projects, uh, while they are not actually music, you know, films and, and, and shows themselves. But is that something you find yourself being pulled to when, when, you're, when you're looking at what your next acting role is going to be, that it has something musical uh, towards it? Interesting. Um, well, I think I find myself being pulled to work with great people. And great people know that a lot of the time what separates a great movie from an okay movie or a great TV show from a bad TV show is a great soundtrack. And um, music is often what connects the viewer's heartstrings to the heartstrings of the character and takes people on that journey. And so rather than saying I strive to work in projects that have anything to do with music, 
I just strive to work with talented people, and talented people know that music is an unbelievable tool to get into storytelling. Geez, soundtracks end up being my favorite albums, you know, just about half yeah, the time on too, top of too. that. Yeah. Um, you did get to play a couple shows, I think I saw, before the pandemic and, and everything hit. Um, these weren't your first shows, though, right? I mean, you had done some before, but I was curious, like, what were no, these like? No, they were not my first shows. They were not my first shows. Um, the two shows that I played right before the pandemic, I think I played on a weekend between my first two weeks and what I thought was going to be my six months of shooting Stranger Things 4. Um, it was on that first weekend, uh, one in uh, like in Bearsville, uh and one in, no, not in Bearsville, it was in um, the Berkshires, and one at Joe's Pub. They were really special shows for me because I I never went on a big tour, but I have played a bunch of shows with my with my band. And, you know, the more you play together as a group, the more cohesive you get and the more you sing on stage live as a performer, the more you understand how you want to do that and how you want to express yourself. And um, I definitely felt like I, I fell into a rhythm of, of finally getting to walk off stage at the end of the night and be like, oh, cool, like... I did that. That went okay. I still like myself. Um, <laughs> and um, right there before the pandemic hit, I felt like I'd, I'd come into my own a little bit. So, and they were really, they were really special. I had no idea that my night at Joe's Pub was going to be my last night around any strangers uh, or people other than my family for a matter of maybe forever. Uh, but if I had to pick a last night, I probably would have picked that one. It was a very special night. And I, I saw there was also, uh, since we're sort of on that subject of what's going on globally right now, you are doing some donations to the food bank? Um, yeah, I'm donating um, a uh, big bunch of the um, proceeds from the merch to uh, the New York Food Bank, which is uh, sort of, yeah, which is a very important charity in New York City. And we're in such a time where people are unable to work and uh, unable to make money and feed their families and are having to make choices between paying their rent and buying food. And so it seems like the right place to, to give right now. And then separately, or not separately, but in conjunction to that, the uh, portion of my album proceeds are going to go to the NAACP, um, which I, I picked because they see the connectivity between both the Black Lives Matter movement and our need for environmental change. And they kind of target and support both of those issues, which I think are pretty much two of the most important issues that we face now as a nation and, and a world. And so I, I really like them as, a, as, a, as another charity to donate to with this record because uh, those two causes are very close to my heart. Absolutely. And if everybody does, if everybody does a little, as they say, you know, that's, that's all it takes a lot of the time. So I, I appreciate that you're, you're taking that moment, taking that opportunity. Well, I think, you know, authentic activism is very important. And I by no means have been an activist all my life or been as politically educated or intelligent as I want to be and and, and know I need to be and I'm working on becoming now. And so I'm just trying to find places that and ways of, of giving and ways of being involved that feel interconnected to my life as I educate myself and, and make being an activist a larger part of my life. Uh, so things like New York, things like the environment and Black Lives Matter, those are causes that have been in my life since I was a kid and in high school. And so as I educate myself politically, I, I still want to, you know, start at my roots. No, it's, uh, I, I, we're all learning. We're all learning. I think every single day how to be better at this, how to be better activists in itself. So better activists, better communicators, a lot, a lot of things to learn. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up uh, just out of my own curiosity too. Like I know how the music world has been affected. You know, I talking with the artists, talking with the venues, talking with the labels. Does the is the film side affected in the exact same way that the music is? I mean, I know we're hearing a little bit about the film world trying to figure out how to start up in that way. 
Are, are you seeing that? I think it's um, there are similar and different complications. You know, in music, in order to perform live, you have to crowd other people into a big space around you. In the film and television world, you know, in order to make something, actors have to touch each other's faces and there's big crews and different groups. And if someone gets sick, the whole thing shuts down. And, you know, people, it, there's a lot of complications. And so I think that, you know, we're all... In, in the lines of work that we're all in, which involves connection and integration and intimacy and all of those things are very difficult right now. And I think both industries, though they face slightly different challenges, um, are equally trying to examine what ways they can adapt to the situation and continue through it and what ways we just have to wait it out. Well, Maya, uh, again, I cannot compliment you enough on, on Blush. I mean, seriously, what a great record this is. Thank you for doing it. And, and thank you especially for taking the time to talk about all this today. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, these are wonderful questions. It's wonderful to talk to you. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited to be able to hear this record. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I guess we'll see you around when we see you and, uh, and take care out there. I hope so. I hope soon. I hope I hope a tour soon. I hope when it's safe for everybody. And um, But I have a feeling masks are going to be the new trend for a long time. Right. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. All right. Got to wear them. Take care. We'll see you. Talk to you soon. Bye. My thanks to Maya Hawk again. The new record is called Blush. Thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Uh, Before you get out, I do hope you subscribe to the series if you haven't already. Uh, You can find us at all the major podcast hotspots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, any of the others, any of your favorite spots. Uh, We'll bring you brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. After that, head to WFPK.org where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. That's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, wfpk.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can find me on the social media spots as well, at Kyle Meredith. Hope to see you over there. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I watched John Oliver last night, and he was like, we should all just be signing off saying, enjoy your miserable lives. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.